Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. All right. This might be the best, well, at least you're not this guy story we've ever had. There's a guy in San Francisco, and he has a digital wallet with 7,002 Bitcoin in it, which means it's worth $234 million. He has a real problem on his hands, though. The private keys he needs to unlock his account are on an encrypted hard drive, and he lost the password to that hard drive. How you don't have that password, like, framed on your wall, (laughs) tattooed on your arm, (laughs) tattooed on your wife's forehead. Right. Uh, He lost the password. There's more to this, though. You only get 10 guesses at the password before the hard drive permanently encrypts its contents and can't be unlocked. And he's already made eight wrong guesses. Mm-hmm. He says, I would just lie in bed and think about it. Then I would get to the computer with some new strategy and it wouldn't work and I would be desperate again. He has only two more shots to figure out the password, or he's out of $234 million. And since Bitcoin is decentralized, there's no get my lost keys option. You either have them or you don't, and you're out of luck. Wow. There's so much I don't understand about Bitcoin Mm -hmm. and this story. One, how it's worth so much. Two, what even is it? And three, how does it not have a... Uh, a backup to unlock, mm-hmm. you know, mother's maiden name, your nickname in high school, your first pet. I understand when you're dealing with $235 million, you might want a more secure system, mm-hmm. but not so secure that you can't get to it. Right. I mean, what if you were incapacitated? You know, you were, you know, if this guy, Stephen Thomas is his name, if he was, if he was in a car accident and couldn't speak, well, like what... That money would just be lost forever, and where does it go? And they say this is a common problem, too, because there could be as much as, like, 18.5 million units, like $140 billion locked up in digital wallets and lost. All I would suggest to them is don't touch it again. Reach out to anybody and any everybody who's somehow involved. I mean, this wallet had to be... Uh, produced by somebody. So, you know, it seems to me all technology has a back door and a way in. Mm. Uh, it's it's unbelievable to, to me that this digital wallet is out there and nobody can help them get into it. I mean, just think about it. When you are trying to log into your email yeah. and, uh, and or some, you know, shopping account you've yep. got online and you forget the password, oh, even you're, if it's your bank one. You're so upset. You're, well, it's so frustrating because one... You likely have a go-to password, but every now and then you're forced to switch it up for some reason, mm-hmm. or you're forced to add a, a special character or a number or a yeah. capital, and they don't tell you when you're about to enter the password that, oh yeah, by the way, your password you know, had to include mm. these things in it. doesn't tell you how long your password is. And for most of us, our passwords are probably stored in our phones and computers uh, so that we don't even have to enter them mm-hmm. most times. Mm-hmm. I mean, mine uses my face for most things now. 
when I unlock my phone. Mm. Uh, if I had to go and remember every password, there's no way it's happening. And there's something odd in this story, too. First of all, the guy has the uh, the ability to, to uh, secure these 7,000 Bitcoin worth this much money. So he's not without resources. Mm. He obviously... Uh, is somewhat tech-savvy and understands a lot of uh, current stuff if he's into Bitcoin and and all of this. How he would just use old-school pen and paper to write this password down makes zero sense to me. You couldn't have put it in a a backup hard drive somewhere. You know, you, uh, like I said, but jokingly, you couldn't have framed it on your wall or tattooed it on your, your only option was a scrap piece of paper that you let just lying around on your desktop. And uh, they say, don't feel too bad for him either, because this is just one of the accounts that he's held. And so... He's already cashed in on a couple of the other ones. He said he has uh, given him Bitcoin, has given him more riches than he knows what to do with. Oh, well, then screw him. <laughs> Dr. Tony Stone, chief of staff, Lake Ridge Health. Interesting fact about Dr. Tony Stone. He has my old job. <laughs> I was. Oh, really? I was released because of a big scandal. Yeah. <laughs> Big, big scandal. I was guilty of nothing. Those pills went missing on their own. It wasn't me. Sure. Anyhow, Dr. Tony Stone doing a much better job than I ever did in that position. Doctor, how are you this morning and Happy New Year? Hey, guys. Happy New Year. I'm good. How are you guys keeping? Uh, we're, uh, I guess, okay. I mean, we're we're trying to, to do what we do. I guess we're essential, so we're here. And then when we get home, we'll... We'll be locked down because that's exactly what's going to happen uh, as of midnight, I guess. And then uh, they're saying that's what needs to happen now. You agree? Yeah, I actually totally agree, guys. And I think um, if we this is this is this is a pain for all of us. You guys know that. All your listeners know it. But we know from uh, what's going on internationally that that if we if we in fact do follow the lockdown, and I know it's tough. But if we follow it, um, we'll flatten the curve and we'll bring it down, just just like we did in wave one. But uh, when we say lockdown, this is, I think, the confusion in this province and maybe this country. And we, we see other countries, Australia, New Zealand, these that, that really went into full lockdown. Ours is kind of this hodgepodge of I don't know and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Grocery stores, pharmacies, of course, still open. Big box stores still allowed to sell everything from condoms to bananas. It It really... It, it seems uh, ridiculous that those are allowed to be open and others aren't. And I think this is part of the frustration. I agree. If we're going to lock down, let's shut her down as much as we possibly can. But to have this, that, and the other thing, if you had the hammer in your hand, if you were in Doug Ford's position, doctor, would you go into, like, serious, more strict lockdown? Or do you really believe this is enough? Well... Okay, so now you got me on the spot. What I'll tell you is, um, we can we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Um, the, the funny thing is, uh, look, if, if there's, there's always going to be arguments, and I think there will always be these, you know, these these discussions about did they get it exactly right? And we were kind of on, you might say, lockdown light up to, up till now, and now it's a, it's more aggressive. They didn't do a, go with curfews because they're shutting everything down at eight p.m. Uh, and and uh, I think at the end of the day, it's still on us individually, and you know this, and some of the listeners, it's on us individually to just do the right thing. And uh, so uh, I don't know if it's possible to fully enforce lockdowns for 14 million people. It's, it's probably that we need to set the tone and then say to people, like, 
just do the right thing, and uh, and we'll get there. So, Dr. Uh, Dr. Tony Stone, Chief of Staff of Lake Ridge Health, the tone has been uh, repeated now for about 10 months. And, and, and what ha- that has been is that if we don't curve this, uh, it's going to cause a major strain on our hospital system. And, uh, and the numbers keep going up and the strain is there. Capacities will become an issue. We heard recently that they were actually talking about transferring some patients from hospitals uh, that are running out of room to others that have room. What can you tell us about the capacities uh, for, for Lake Ridge Health and Durham? How, how dire are we now? Yeah, we are, we are not dire. Um, we, we do have right now um, 40 patients with COVID in our hospital. But we are part of just so you just so our listeners know we are part of this this um, structure that that covers a large part of of uh, southern Ontario at least across the waterfront, where um, uh, regional hospitals will help each other out uh, when they are stretched over capacity. This has already been happening in the GTA, and we've already been um, taking patients from uh, other hospitals at times to help them. And what we're doing is we will be working with uh, other uh, GTA hospitals and hospitals further east of us, like uh, Peterborough Regional or Kingston or others. Uh, and we, we are basically creating a network or system to make sure that uh, everybody in Ontario gets the care they need uh, when they need it. Uh, and the only way for us to do that is effectively, as this as way to really press, to be able to um, move patients so that they get the care they need. So, so, so you, you know, you can see that at times there might be some inconvenience, but better to get the care than uh, to not have places for, to care for people. We we saw a doctor, I guess it was in uh, Burlington or Oakville, where they put up that portable mm. uh, hospital. Is that something that that Lake Ridge would be able to do if uh, if it ever came to that? Uh, you know, if if um, we, like I don't think I hope. With, this, with the lockdown, I, I'm hoping we're going to flatten the curve and we won't even need to go that far. But we will be having discussions with um, senior leaders in Ontario Health uh, about uh, what we need to do beyond what we're currently doing. And just so you know, during wave one, we went through, um, in fact, all regional hospitals went through a major um, planning process for um, surge. And this included the ability to surge if we had 200, 400 COVID patients. So, so we, the plans are there and they're already laid out. Uh, hopefully we never have to uh, execute them. Dr. Stone, uh, with the crossing into 2021, everyone thinking you know, there's a light now at the end of the tunnel. There are vaccines here. Uh, hopefully by, well, as the Prime Minister says, September, <laughs> anyone who wants a vaccine will get one. How are we doing on the vaccine front in Durham? Uh, we we have done a, a, a very good job, and I, I want to give a shout-out to um, uh, our whole team, a couple of key leaders who've been leading this, Colleen Wilkinson and Julie Goldstein, and, and there's a whole host of folks underneath them that are helping. So we, um, you know, we started with, uh, and everyone knows, we started using the vaccine on um, priority healthcare workers, uh, and then we we got the word that we needed then to move the vaccine into long-term care. Uh, and that started last Thursday. So we, we started vaccinating uh, long-term care residents and staff. Uh, and, and amazingly, uh, our team has been phenomenal. Uh, so we expect to have all long-term care staff and residents, or most of them, done by end of day tomorrow.
and then after that, oh. we're moving on to um, to uh, across all the retirement homes. Uh, I think you guys, most people probably are aware of phase one about capturing higher populations, and that's what we're doing. So we're really pleased. We're emptying the, the freezers. You know, people are worried about uh, how effective are we at, at doing that. But we've been very aggressive at getting the vaccine out. So uh, in your opinion or time-wise, do you see it falling in line with the Prime Minister that we should all be able to get needles by September? Or do you think people in Durham might get lucky and get a little ahead of that? Um, you know, it, it depends entirely on on this, um, you know, the supply chain. Mm. It's, it's like PPE in wave one. Uh, we are very hopeful that that the timelines for receiving vaccine uh, are exactly what the federal government hopes. Uh, we expect that to happen, you know, but but that's what it depends on. So so I, I think what I think is going to happen is the initial uh, phase one uh, with the high priority populations is going to keep going through uh, January, February, and probably into March. And then will be then will I. What I understand will happen is the flow of vaccine will dramatically increase, um, and we we are um, preparing, and we work with, we're working with public health closely, and we'll be working with primary care, and we're preparing to um, get that vaccine into arms as quickly as um, we can get it. So that's that's the game plan. Well, if that van driving around to the long-term care facilities and retirement homes wants to swing on by the rock. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, people, you're connected. If you if you can get them to just pull in and stab us in the arm like Keith Richards in the, in the early seventies, we're in. <laughs> you know, you know, if um, you might be high priority, and they might be happy to stab you in the arm, but we're going to have to check. All right. right. Well, I know Dougie Elliott, our afternoon drive guy, and Lucky and I. If if uh, some strings can be pulled, I believe we're very important to the community. <laughs> then uh, we would uh, we would certainly line up for that. You, are, you guys are essential workers, and uh, and we absolutely will get you in, in line exactly in the right sequence. Perfect. <laughs> Way at the back of the line. <laughs> well said. <laughs> My last name is Ven. <laughs> I'm always at the end of the line. All right, doctor. As always, thank you, sir, to your staff. Everybody, please stay safe. You're doing a, a hell of a job uh, day in and day out. We have huge respect for all of you. So thank you for uh, what you do, and uh, hopefully we'll have a, a more lighthearted conversation next time we speak. Yeah, it's a pleasure, guys. Take care. Cheers. There he is, Chief of Staff, Lake Ridge Health, Dr. Tony Stone. Hockey fans, it's back starting tonight. NHL gets going in a whole different situation as Canadian teams will be the only teams that will uh, face off against one another for the entire season. Of course, the Leafs and Habs get going, so you'll get lots of that this season. And uh, once again, Hab fans, every now and then, they get very annoying with the... uh, how many cups they've won. As we know, they've won the most Stanley Cups, but right. I read this earlier today. I thought it was very funny. They should probably shut up about it now since several graduating classes at McGill have lived their whole lives without seeing the Habs win jack poop. Yes, I guess they could return on Leaf fans with that and saying there's like high school classes, graduating classes, there have been lifetimes. Families have lived and died. <laughs> in Toronto yeah. without seeing them win, including the last four years without seeing them see, win a playoff series. Now, you would think this bodes well for them to make the playoffs this year because they seem to be, as far as I can tell, pretty stacked compared to every other Canadian team. They look pretty damn good. 
Uh, listen, uh, it's it's a very interesting scenario because, you know, if you haven't paid attention to this, it's all, of course, the North Division now. Canadian teams will only play Canadian teams. You'll see uh, the Leafs and Canadians play each other 10 times throughout the season. In wow. fact, if you take a look at it, the Leafs schedule looks more like a baseball schedule now in the sense that, right. you know, you're going to go to Calgary and it's not going to be one and done. You're going to play there two or three times. You'll play Edmonton two or three times. They'll come into town and play two or three games. And that's how they kind of bubble things and get, get through all the games. You almost play a series uh, as the season plays on. Interesting. Uh, I had a chance to speak with Jeff Merrick from Sportsnet, who hosts the NHL on Sportsnet. And uh, and uh, last night, and we'll put that up uh, on The Rock's uh, YouTube page, a Zoom call we did today as we get set for the season. And, you know, pointing out that... This is a high-scoring Northern Division. Mm. You know, you look at the likes of, of Vancouver, who's got you know Elias Pettersson and uh, and uh, Quinn Hughes, a couple of the more entertaining young players. Don't forget, you've got McDavid and Drysital in uh, in in Edmonton. You've got Goudreau and Kachuk in Calgary. You've got you know Shifley and Perfetti in in uh, in Winnipeg, and you've got Connor, Connor Hellebuck, who's the Vezina Trophy winner. Montreal, although didn't add a lot of scoring, they lost Max Domi. They added uh, Josh Anderson, and uh, and they added. Uh, Jake Allen, another goaltender. So they got really good goaltending. The Senators, uh, they struggled last year, likely will struggle again this year. It's, it's still a rebuild for them. But six of the seven teams made that playoff tournament last year. The Leafs are the favorites, but uh, as Toronto sports fans know, I don't know if you want the Leafs being the favorites because it hasn't really worked out in the past. It's your pallies, Craig and Lucky. We are heading into lockdown 2021. We should get some echo behind that. Say that. <laughs> lockdown 2021. Yeah, this is where we're heading. And, uh, and, and, and the same as March and April, except the panic and the fear is no longer there. And that doesn't play or bode well for our government. Because in March and April, when this first uh, got going, they had us because we were so afraid this thing was clinging to everything we touched and crawling up our pant legs. You remember how we acted? All of us, I think, for the most part, were just, oh, my God, I can't catch this. I'm going to die. And we don't have that fear anymore. You can see it in people. Uh, and so when Ford stands there and says, my friends, you must stay home. For the most part, those who have been doing as they're supposed to will continue. And those that haven't will just carry on as they have. Nobody's listening anymore. Nobody cares. Yeah, I think the, the message uh, has has been repeated so much uh, that it, it's getting uh, or has been just kind of washed out. And they say a third of people aren't following the public mm. health measures. And and I I can't really argue with you, and that that, that won't continue mm. unless it becomes more of an enforcement issue now. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where the frustration of so many people lie, whether it's uh, businesses and workers uh, and people at home with, with kids uh, that are uh, either home from school or would prefer them be home from school through all of this. Uh, the frustration lies in, one, the repeated messaging, and that is that, it's putting a strain on the healthcare system. We've heard that now for 10 months. We're going to talk with Dr. Tony Stone this morning, mm-hmm. uh, the chief of staff of Lake Ridge Health. Maybe get a better, clearer picture of exactly how much of a strain is being put on it. We understand the numbers have gone up. But again, you know, we're not, are we at that critical point or are we not? Because we were told we were going to get there 10 months ago. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the delivery yesterday was so clouded that, that I think it really did a disservice 
to what the message was supposed to be. If this was supposed to be, this is serious, you need to stay home, we need to lock things down. This is the most, you know, every speech he gives on these updates is the most important speech of his political career. Mm. I can't tell you the last time I read something or heard something and fell out of my chair. Mm. But let's stop with the, you're going to fall out of your chair if you hear these numbers. If you saw what I saw, then let's see what you saw. Mm -hmm. You you talked about being transparent. Well, then let's be transparent because that's where the frustration is lying for people. Mm -hmm. Is that, why is it that picking up something at Toys R Us after 8 o'clock at night is a risk, but selling TVs in Costco is not mm-hmm. and uh, and and the difference for people has been the real the real problematic part of all of this why can so and so get this and a lot of it is okay well why me why not me mm. you know, why can so and so do this and I can't do this how come they can earn a living and I can't but people are are really upset mm-hmm. and people are really at the brink here of either uh, you know, mental health issues of either financial issues, uh, real family struggles. We're, we're having a really difficult time, and our leaders are just saying, well, you're going to fall out of your chair if you see what the numbers are. You really need to stay at home. Well, we have been staying. I can't stay at home harder than I'm already staying at home. Mm-hmm. And if the people aren't staying at home, then find a way to find them, hit them where it hurts, and get them to stay at home because just threatening to do that obviously hasn't worked so far. And what I find frustrating is stories out of long-term care facilities where we know that the numbers are very high for uh, seniors who have not only gotten sick but died. And that happened in droves in the spring, March through April and into the summer. And everybody was up in arms. We got to do something about this. These long-term care facilities are horrible. They're gross. They're dirty. The people aren't taken care of and the employees are overworked and they're stressed and they can go from one uh, location to the next so they can drag the disease from here, there, and everywhere. We heard all that. We heard there was going to be research and they were going to investigate. They were going to fix the problem. Now we're into year, feels like five of COVID, and the same problem is happening again. And so this is why it falls on deaf ears. Because you just go, well, you knew that seniors were dying in the spring and you claimed you were going to fix it. Well, how are they getting sick and dying again? Because the problem wasn't solved. Nothing is ever solved. It's just spun around and spun around. It's like Trudeau saying, everybody's going to have the vaccine by uh, the fall. No, they won't. No, we won't. It'll get screwed up. It'll fall apart. We won't see that vaccine till the fall of 2022. Well, that's your glass half empty again. Well, but, but it happens constantly. Well, yeah, and the disappointment is certainly there. And and there's a couple of problems that the Ford government has right now. One, they're sitting on billions of dollars. Mm. They have it, and they haven't spent it. And and part of this, and, and it's you know the uh, the the labor union is going to come out, and uh, the Federation of Labor has said, you know what, you've got to pay people if you want them to stay at home when they're feeling symptoms. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to you've got to find ways. To make sure that they're not going to lose their house yep. uh, and uh, and their livelihood by doing that, That's because right. if not, people who are you know, if you work at a grocery store and you have that you require that paycheck, you're going to go to work, mm-hmm. and if that's causing transmission, then that's part of the problem. It's not 
just people gathering in their homes with more than five people or mm-hmm. more than two households. It's also people that need to work, uh, that are, are going to work because they have no other means of this. And the other thing is, if you're going to tell people that you got to stay at home or we're going to find you, then you better be able to get your own bloody party members to stay in the damn country. <laughs> There's an idea. Because this is, again, where the, the, the message has been clouded. Some people get to do certain things. Do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, they've really blown it in some areas. I will guarantee this. I'll, I'll put money on this. We might be going into a lockdown on Thursday. But you just go out onto the 401 or any part of the GTA a week from Thursday. It, it'll look like nothing is in lockdown. When- Oh, this is good. Are you a gross, disgusting, filthy individual? Someone polled over 100,000 people online and asked them about different things a lot of us have done okay. but never talk about. How many of these habits, Lucky, will you admit to doing? Okay. Do you pick your nose when no one's around? Yes. And have you eaten it before? No. Probably as a child. Well, as a maybe. Sure. Yeah. In the bathroom, do you ever skip the whole hand-washing thing because you're just too lazy? Uh, on a pee, yes, I normally just wet my hands. I won't do a full wash down. Yes, I'm uh, with you there. I'm also with you on the pick in the nose. Have you ever soiled yourself besides when you were a baby? Yes. Yes, as well. <laughs> <laughs> Have you are- ever driven so clenched <laughs> that you needed cruise control? There's nothing worse than having the shart. Yeah, right. you're on the 401. <laughs> you think it's a, a little innocent, you know, passing of gas, and all of a sudden you're, oh, no. It's, uh, There's no taking it back. It becomes like a NASA countdown, really, <laughs> right? Like, you, you, if you really have to go and you're on your way home, you reach milestones, mm. right? It's like, okay, just get off the 401. Uh, once we're off the 401, I know where we are. We're good. We're, we're at the 10-minute mark. We mm. can make this. We can do it. Like you, you have this inner conversation mm. with yourself. And listen, as someone who's suffered from bowel issues, it, it's been a long-going conversation. Here's but, a- yeah, it's like, okay, don't hit this light. Don't hit this light. You can make this light. If we make this light, we're good. There was uh, an intersection right near a neighborhood we lived in, and we lived right across from uh, a, a mega plaza with all sorts of big box stores. So this intersection was always incredibly busy. And especially around Christmas time, I could literally see my house through the trees and the other homes. I could see my porch on the other side of this intersection. And there was uh, one time where I was making the left to get into my uh, subdivision, and I had to get to the bathroom so bad. And I was about 15 cars back making the left. I could have put my car in park and walked and gotten to my house quicker (laughs) than it took me to make that left. I must have had to sit through eight sets of lights. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was clenched. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> you old dumb and dumber. Just go, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever passed gas and denied it was you? Of course, we've <laughs> all done that. <laughs> yes. Do you ever pee in the shower? Yes. Uh, I don't. Yeah, this is something you don't do. No. Have you ever popped someone else's zit? Uh... Well, I guess the kids, but it's not really a zit at that no, point. It's like no. a blackhead, yeah. yeah. Have you ever stuck your fingers somewhere gross and sniffed them just because you were curious? Right. Well, Probably again as a child. Yes. Uh, well, and what's gross? Like, have I done like up, it up your butt? Probably. Well, no, but I, I, like a faucet. Uh, if you're, uh, if I'm cleaning something, if you get something on your hand, you sniff something you're cleaning. Well, uh, the the first instinct is to sniff it. Right? Really? If you don't know what it is, 
one of the first things. Yeah, I don't taste it. But if there's like a fluid on the car, You'll right? Sniff it. Yeah, I would sniff That's it. That's so weird. Well, why wouldn't you? I'd rather stick my finger up my bum. <laughs> <laughs> Rock mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.